Sunday night in my world. I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Mine was productive and I had some fellowship in there and I did my four or five exercises. Not exercises, exercise, 45 minute sessions for the 75 day hard thing. Um, I even made something I've never made before, which was a a taco salad. It's not even something I order in a restaurant, but Karen makes it once in a while. And I had hamburger in the freezer and taco mix. So I got creative with like a avocado and everything kind of Mexican. (laughs) Anyway, uh, they tell us in podcasting school to not bore you with the things that we eat. And since you already hear about caramellos and ice cream so much, I will not tell you any more about food. We are going to keep working on Dharma recovery and I and I'm going to apologize if I have to read a little more than I want to. Um I tried reading and digesting and it's hard to to um really grasp it and turn around and teach it and make sure that I'm telling you all the truth. So I might do a little bit of reading just so that you get the the right information so the we're the first noble truth we did yesterday and we did the questions and that involved it was there is suffering and it talked about the fact that addiction is suffering and trauma and attachment injury uh, were part of the impacts of things that they're suffering and could lead us into addiction And now tonight we're going to talk about, I think we're going to do both two and three. We'll see how far, how long it takes to do two. They were a little shorter than part one. So this is the cause of suffering. So this first paragraph I noted as pretty important. As people who have become dependent on substances and behaviors, we've all experienced the sense of failure and hopelessness that comes from trying and failing to let go of our fixations. Addiction itself increases our suffering by creating a hope that both pleasure and escape can be permanent. Hmm. Only if, right? We can go through this suffering again and again because substances or behaviors can only give us a temporary relief to our pain, our unhappiness, and our lost or damaged sense of self. Our refusal to accept the way things are leads to wanting or craving, which is the cause of the suffering. So that's kind of the root of of what they're trying to say is it's not that the fact that we can't always be happy or escape, that isn't it. It's our refusal to accept the fact that that's just the way it is. That's what really causes the suffering. We don't need to suffer because of the way things are, but because of the way we want or think we need those things to be. It sounds a lot like the control issues that I know a lot of us have. (laughs) Uh, We suffer because we cling to the idea that we can satisfy our own cravings while ignoring the conditions of the world around us. I'm really enjoying this, this whole premise. I wish 
I wish kind of that I knew about this earlier, but it aligns with what every like so much of I think everything. I haven't found anything I haven't believed in. There's stuff I don't know, but the principles here really align with how I feel about recovery. Um, you know, going back to the trauma in the childhood and addressing that stuff and doing the inner work and you know, relinquishing control when you have to and surrendering. So it's it's really kind of blowing me away. Um, all right, so let's keep going, I guess. Clinging to impermanent solutions for suffering results in craving. We experience craving like a thirst, an unsatisfied longing, and it become a driving force in our lives. If craving goes beyond simple desire, which is a natural part of life, it often leads us to fixation, obsession, and the delusional belief that we can't be happy unless without what we crave. So that's that cycle, right? You know, I'm still, it's not horrible. Thank goodness this week we're on, tomorrow it'll be a week without cigarettes again. Um, and I have it, my my cravings have been very little and I just keep telling myself they're only 90 seconds. They're only going to last 90 seconds. And, um, I don't want to blow it. It's part of my commitment in the 75 hard and the commitment to myself. So I'm going to do it is what I keep telling myself. Um, but it sounds like cravings are like a figment of our, not a figment of our imagination, a delusional belief that we, you know, like we're not going to be happy and satisfied until we get what we want. Well, I haven't had a cigarette all week and I've been happy and satisfied. Actually, I'm probably breathing better. I'm trying to, uh, you know, ride my bike and walk more and, and do the stuff to get my, I noticed, I noticed after I went back guys, like I was done for, I think it was close to two months. It was definitely well over a month. But I was having a hard time once I went back getting up my stairs. Like I, I walk up my, I live on the third floor and I only use the stairs unless I have my bike. And I noticed a big difference and that really aggravated me. Again, I guess I'm digressing about personal stuff. So anyway, delusional belief that those things are going to solve the problem. So that could be the chocolate, the bet the drinking, whatever it is we think we're craving. And we know better, right? We know that if we have a drink or a bet, that the problem is still there when we when we go back. It doesn't really solve anything. Um, it warps our intentions so that we make choices to harm ourselves and others. This repetitive craving and obsessive drive to satisfy it leads to what we now know as addiction. So that's how they're defining addiction is kind of this cycle of craving and obsession. Addiction occupies the part of our brain that chooses our will and replaces compassion, kindness, generosity, honesty, and other intentions that might have been there. Wow, that's freaking scary. Addiction occupies the part of our mind that chooses our will. The part that chooses our will, guys, like takes away... Our freedom, that's crazy, and replaces all those good things, compassion and honesty, with the addiction. That's really depressing. In a way, we must have food, shelter, and water. In the way we must have food, shelter, or water, our mind can tell us that we must have some substance 
buy or steal something, satisfy some lust, keep acting until we achieve some needed result. That we must protect ourselves at all costs and attack people to whom we disagree or people who have something we want. Yeah, people are definitely irrational when they're operating under addiction. Uh, you met Michelle a while back in one of the earlier episodes, and you know she went she went to jail because of her addiction for a long time, and um, well, a long time for. Uh, a person like you or me to go to jail a minute, I think would be too long for us, but it happens. And, um, you know, it's definitely a consequence. I don't know. That's really bad. I don't know if you heard that music through the window. Anyway, it, this really, this, this second truth, the cause really, um, highlights how strong addiction is and, and suffering Conditions or circumstances in and of themselves don't cause suffering. They can cause pain or unpleasant experiences, but we add suffering on top of this when we think we need those circumstances to be different. Sounds like the serenity prayer would come in handy, huh? We create even more suffering when we act out in ways that deny the reality of the circumstances and the reality of impermanence. Craving is the underlying motive that fuels unwise actions that create suffering. That's really crazy. All right. Questions for inquiry of the second noble truth. I'm really fascinated by this, so I guess I lied. We're not doing the third now that I just looked at what time it is. Okay, so the questions. List situations, circumstances, and feelings that you may have used harmful behavior to try and avoid. So what is it in your life that you use gambling to escape from or try to escape from? I know for me it was definitely grief and sadness and anger, frustration. Those are probably my big ones. But think about it for yourself. Situations, circumstances, and feelings that may, would, would tr- trigger you essentially or cause you to do harmful behavior, a.k.a. gambling. But for I guess I can list situations and circumstances too as um, <laughs> the sky is blue. <laughs> I have time. I don't have time. I want to go. I don't want to go. It's raining, it's sunny, you know, all that cliche stuff. All right, next one. List the emotions, sensations, and thoughts that come to mind when you abstain. Are you are there troubling memories, shame, grief, or unmet needs hiding behind the craving? How can we meet these with compa- meet these with compassion and patience? So list the emotions, sensations, and thoughts that come into mind when you abstain. I don't know the context of this. Are there troubling memories, shame, grief, or unmet needs hiding behind the craving? I think that I'm reading this question as like three different tenses. It What are those emotions and sensations and thoughts when I abstain? 
when I was in active addiction. So like that would be um, frustrated that I can't go edgy, bitchy, impatient, short. Like those were some of the, the way I was. Like I just wanted to be at the casino when I wanted to be at the casino. Um, but then early in recovery, the sensations, you know, could still be like that physical craving. Like when we used to drive by the signs, I I know our body chemistry changed, you know, like when we were getting closer and closer to the casino on the ride, um, and, and we were being silly and, and the thoughts of just, of being there, um, our physiology changed. So I imagine that it, you know, it changes in early recovery when you want to go and, and chances are if you don't go, you're probably, so you just quit. You're having a craving and you don't go. There could be two different dialogues going on in your head. There could be the, you know, don't do it. You don't want to risk X, Y, Z. Um, you're making progress. You'd be letting people down. Like kind of a negative spin to it as opposed to I could do this. I have, you know, I know that my life is better without gambling. I'm excited about the future that I'm creating by not betting. You know, like there's there's those two different dialogues. And then, you know, long term, like kind of, I mean, I don't know, over three years is long term. But the way I feel today with emotions, sensations and thoughts when I abstain, I don't think about it really at all. Like my emotions and thoughts are whatever I'm feeling from things not related to gambling. When I was gambling, another thought that just popped into my head is how to strategize how to get there, like planning my work schedule or my vacations or whatever it was to get there. And the middle ground too, like maybe fresh fresh starting out from quitting the troubling memory, shame, and grief. If if we're feeling those things, and I, I, I'm sure I've said this to you maybe once or 1,200 times, like things like guilt and shame that don't serve you, you, you know, you got to get rid of them. Basically, if I'm understanding this right, the guilt and shame that we're feeling when, you know, like when we first quit, if we hang on to that too long, essentially it can lead us back to quitting because that's what had, you know, like it's a vicious circle. If we don't release that and get into like a positive mojo, then the chances of us relapsing would probably go up. That's how I'm interpreting this. If you guys don't like it, I guess you got to go buy the book and interpret it yourself. This is the best I could do. Um, and I guess it's just like our readings in the morning. And I'm not trying to be fresh and tell you to go buy the book. I mean, go buy the book if you want to support this. It's it's just very intriguing to me. And I'm trying to um, share slash teach something I don't really know. So we're learning together. What things did you, this is the last group of questions. What things did you give up in your desire to cling to impermanent and unreliable solutions? For example, did you give up relationships, financial security, health, opportunities, legal standings, or other important, I lied, it's not the last question, or other 
important things to maintain your addictive behaviors. What made the addiction more important to you than any of these things you gave up? Wow. Um, I definitely, part of of giving up my marriage was, was gambling for sure. I felt like I had stolen from Davey and I was doing more damage than good. I mean, I was evolving as a person from a, a work perspective and some other things, but I definitely didn't like doing harm to him. He was... He was totally my best friend and and we just I just wouldn't want to do him harm, but I did. Um, health, I think I think I've addressed this before, you know, sitting in a, a smoky casino, chain smoking, wacky sleep, wacky eat, um, legal standing. How about when I floated checks, you know, or or people that have have stolen, you know, potentially at risk for bad legal things. Financial security, I didn't even know what that was when I was gambling. Like, there was nothing secure other than the fact I was going to be in debt and just always chasing my tail. Okay, and the last one. Are there any beliefs you cling to that fuel craving and aversion, beliefs that deny the truth of impermanence, or beliefs about how things in life should be, what are they? Beliefs you cling to that fuel craving and aversion. Um, I think that this this goes back to, you know, full of negative bucket or full of positive bucket. I think that if if I was to hang on to some of my old perceptions, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not beautiful, I'm not awesome, I'm not smart enough, I'm not polished enough to be a VP, I'm white trash, like all, I had a lot of those thoughts. And I think that if I stopped gambling but still thought that way, that definitely my chances of increasing, of, of relapsing or, or fueling the craving at least would definitely go up. Um, working on a different mindset and being proud and confident and um, capable and, and happy with who I am. I mean, I'm still not a bikini kind of girl, but um, it doesn't really matter. Like my mind is is set up for a, a bright future and loving relationships and living in the present and just taking care of people and things. So... I don't have any, I, I, I feel like that's the, the secret, no matter what we're studying or talking about. The secret to breaking the addiction, in my opinion, and this is what I think it's saying here, is to not have anything to gamble about, not have any reason to crave. And I think that that's what this is trying to point out to us is some of those feelings and emotions that are triggers to us. It's very interesting. Okay, I still went double my time on what I thought was going to be a short little noble truth. So thank you for getting educated with me again this evening. I hope that you guys have a good rest of your day, whatever part of the day it is. I am heading to bed since 4. hope to get up at 4 again tomorrow. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.